Say, turn in your Bible with me to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. And, and, and I want to talk about something tonight that I shared a couple of weeks ago during our time of prayer and fasting. At one of the prayer meetings, I talked about this, but very briefly. Uh, it was before a prayer meeting, so I just shared it in a devotional uh, uh, style uh, uh, and talked about it for five or ten minutes. And uh, as I got up this morning and was just praying about what to, to preach, I, I went back to these notes. And so tonight, I just I unpacked it some more today, and, 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 I, and I really think it's something... Um, you know, that, that I feel like the Lord wants to, wants to share with y'all. Let, let me get a side note for all the single people in here. It's so important. I know I'm, I'm just, this is just a side note. Who you marry. Let me just say that. It's so important. You, and let me give you a reason why. You want to marry somebody that, that not, not just somebody that says they're a Christian or goes to church. I know this is way off. I wouldn't even plan on doing this, but... But somebody that serves the Lord, that loves the Lord, and is going to encourage you in your calling and how you, what you're, what you're gifted in doing or what the Lord has placed in your heart to do. Like this morning, as I was still at home and praying about what I was going to preach, because my wife asked me, she said, what you preaching on tonight, preacher? I said, I don't know yet. You know, and I had a few meetings we had today and whatnot. And, and so as I began to just pray about that and, and I said, man, I, this is something I shared in, in prayer and fasting, but it was five, 10 minutes and I shared it with her. And she said, Oh, that's good. She said, that's your message tonight. I think you need to preach that. Amen. That was confirmation. So, again, if you're single, it's be careful. Make sure you pray about who you marry because it can either help your walk with the Lord and your calling or it can hinder it. I'm so very blessed and thankful that my wife helps my walk, my faith, and the calling that God has called me to. Amen? That's just a little freebie right there. That's just a side note. I am a blessed man. Yes, I am. I wish she was here to hear me say all that, but... uh. She says she's going to listen to it, so I hope, you know, hope that's on. Doug, make sure you uh, keep that on the recording, all right? I want those brownie points. So, All right, so I'm, a, I'm, a, I, you know, I'm going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to, and it comes out of the story uh, of, of the walls of Jericho falling down. Pretty much everybody, most of us in here are familiar with that. If you've been in church at any amount of time, you're familiar with uh, the walls of Jericho. And we're going to read it in a minute, but I want to show you three keys uh, up to the walls of Jericho collapsing and, and how we should apply these three things to our own life. Because you know what? We sometimes, either the enemy has put walls around us between us and the Lord or us and people, or actually we've actually erected walls ourselves. Between us and other people, could be our spouse, it could be our children, could be coworkers, people in the church. And again, we, sometimes we erect a wall between us and the Lord. And so I want to talk about tonight. Let's go ahead and pray before we get into the word. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is awesome, living and true, mighty and powerful and sharpened in any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray you would speak to us tonight as we read your word, as we hear your word. Lord, speak to me and through me. Lord, I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. I need your help, Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, you take over. You are the teacher. You are the counselor. So, Lord, we ask that you would counsel us through your word and give us the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody's in Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. You see, I was just seeing if you were paying attention. Joshua 6, 1 says this. Now, the gates of Jericho were tightly shut. 
because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying the ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town, and the armed men will lead in front of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns, and some behind the Ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout, don't even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. Then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. First thing I want to show you from this story of one of the reasons I believe, of course, it was a supernatural a thing of the Lord, was that Joshua and the people of Israel were obedient. If we want walls to come down in our lives, we must have full-on obedience to the Lord. We must be obedient to him. You see, the Lord's assuring words, I have given you Jericho, must have lifted Joshua's spirit. All Joshua had to do was to obey the Lord. Now that sounds simple, and he had an opportunity to do that uh, the rest of his life as we see. Again, you may have some walls in your life, your faith, your relationships, and maybe you're trying to figure out why they have gotten or why, how they've gotten there or how, why they haven't come down yet. Sometimes we say, we pray, Lord, why hasn't this happened? Why am I still struggling this? Why are me and my, my spouse, me and my children, me and my coworkers, people at church, why is this still going on? And, and, you know, a lot of times we hear when we're praying about something, a situation, a, a, a relationship, Oftentimes, how many times have you heard which that, that we, you, you need to have faith. You need to have more faith. How many times have you heard that? And that is right. We do have to have faith. No doubt. The Bible says it's impossible to please God, please God without faith. But you know what? And when it comes to faith, a big part of living out our faith is being obedient. Let me say that again. A big part of living out our faith is being obedient. Because you can say, I believe that the Lord is going to do this for me. But are you going to obey when he tells you what to do in that area that you're believing for? It's easy to say, I believe. Okay, well, cool. Now put some feet to your belief. Put some action to what you're believing for. See, because what happens when you don't feel like you have enough faith? When you don't have enough faith and like, man, I, I'm struggling. I, I, I want to believe God. I want to do these things, but I'm struggling in my faith. Well, I love what Brother Mike Clark said when he, he was here last month. He said that he, when, even when he felt like he barely had any faith, he was still obedient to the Lord. And the Lord has continued to use him and his wife in a mighty way. How many of y'all were here last month when Brother Mike Clark was here from Casa? I'm so thankful. I, I think I don't remember if Cassie was here or not. I took a picture of it because I just remember one of the numbers and, and I took a picture. So as I was studying today, I, I remembered that I had those numbers. And since 1989, they have had 5,512 children go through their home. 
And Brother Mike attributes that not to his faith, but to his obedience. Y'all getting this? That's powerful, y'all. It's his obedience because he said that many times he was scared and he didn't see how this would work. And he was trying to believe God. But he said, even when I had a little bit of faith, I was still obedient to do what the Lord told me to do. Amen. We see this and, 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 and this is biblical because we see this in the life of Gideon. For those of you all that are familiar with Gideon, you know, the Lord showed up to Gideon and and. And, uh, you know, he told him that he was going to rescue the people of Israel from the Midianites. And in Judges 6, 14 and 15, it says this. Then the Lord returned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. See, Gideon didn't have any or very little faith. Can you see that in the scripture? He's like, go, and you're going to rescue the people. And he's, he's like, Lord, I can't do this. How many times have you felt like that? Where you feel like the Lord is calling you to do something. You feel like there's something big in your life that the Lord wants you to do. But you're like, Lord, I can't do this. I'm from the family of Boudreaux's. I'm from the family of Thibodeau's. They, you, know, my, my, you know what my family line is? And, and there's, not, there's not the faith to do it. But the Lord didn't ask you what family you were from. He knows if he didn't ask you what part of Acadiana are you from. That's not what the Lord has. If the Lord tells you to do it, just do it. He don't care about your credentials anyway. See, because both sides can hinder you. Either you can think, oh, Lord, I can't do this because I'm nobody. Or you can say, Yo, Lord, I got this. I got a Ph.D. in this. I got an MBA in this. I graduated with honors from theological cemetery and all that kind of stuff. And that could hinder us as well, right? But it's not, if your faith is low, listen, your obedience will be the key. I believe we see in the next verse why he ended up being obedient and why we can help us. Judges 6, 16, it says, the Lord said to him, after he said, I can't do this, you know, smallest family week is all that. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if I were fighting against one man, as if you were fighting against one man. See, the key to obedience is to know that the Lord's going to be with you every step of the way. See, we believe that whenever the Lord tells us to do something, he's like, okay, go alone. You know, like, kind of like a, you do with our kids, pat them on the butt, send them off to school, you know. But that's not the way the Lord works. That's not where he works, the, the way he works. He, when he instructs us to do something, he always tells us, I will be with you. Moses went through this as well. He says, hey, go and deliver the people from, from Egypt. And he's like, Lord, I can't do this. I stutter. I do this, that, and the other. And, and he said, who, who will I, you know, say send me? Say the great I am sending. He said, I will be with you. And Moses said, good, because if you ain't coming, I ain't going. You remember he said that? And then he goes on to say, it is your presence among us that sets us apart from the rest of the people of the earth. One of my favorite scriptures of the whole Old Testament. It's not the fact that we come to church or we sing Christian songs. He says, it's your presence among us that separates us from the rest of the people of the world. And that's Moses dug in and said, I'm not going, Lord, unless you come with me. And the Lord said, all right, let's go. The New Testament tells us that we are co-laborers with Christ. See, that's something, it's the difference between working for God and working with God. So whatever the Lord's telling us to do, and again, I'm, I'm talking about kind of doing working, but going back, what he's telling you to do in your own life to get free from some things. The second part of our vision, the growth track, is to live free. Some of you maybe have not been free for something for years, but it might be hindrance 
the hindrance might be tied into some disobedience in your life. And I have no idea what that is. I, I don't, you know, it, it could be a personal thing. It could be a relational thing. I'm not sure. You know, Gideon asked for a few signs. If you know the story, he's like, hey, Lord, you know, he put out the fleece test. He did all those things. But eventually he was convinced that God was with them and he would continue to be with them. Again, this is the key. Let me, let me show you one more thing about obedience before we move on. And, and this is powerful. Obedience proves that we love the Lord. Well, why would you say that? Because Jesus said it. John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, was the very next word. If you love me, obey my commands. You see, we can say we love the Lord all day long, but we show that we mean it when we're obedient. We can show that we love the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord. We can sing, I love you, Lord. And that's great. We got to tell the Lord that we love him. Going back, those of us that are married, what's your spouse? You can tell you your spouse you love them. It's one thing to tell them, but when you do things to show them that you love them, right? And they feel loved, right? Because there's times where I'm like, oh, baby, I love you. And we just had a fight and she's like, mm-hmm, you know? But if there's things just that you do out of the blue that you, you know, to show them, but the Lord ties in our love for him with obedience. Put that back up again, Doug. This is not my opinion. This is the words of Jesus himself. If you love me, obey my commands. This proves our love for the Lord when we obey him. Amen? Number two, and this is, this is the one, no, let me read the scripture first. The second thing, uh, this is one of the ones that when I was reading this a few weeks ago when I, when I shared it, was this was the biggest, like the newest thing that popped out of this story to me. And, and it's so good. Joshua 6, 12 through 14. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. Look at that first verse, they, that last verse. They followed this pattern for six days. The second thing we see that was a key to the walls coming down was consistency. They were consistent in what they did. They were consistent in their obedience. What the Lord told them to do, they wasn't just obedient one day, they were obedient every day, but they were consistent. Listen, and you know this if you've, if you, if you're, uh, if you're into, you know, fitness and, and health and are you've ever, anybody in the fitness industry will tell you that the key to getting on a, to, to getting in shape is exercising and eating healthy consistently. Right? If you are honest with yourself, how many of y'all in here could, would say that you tried some kind of a diet or workout plan for like two weeks and then you get mad because you don't see any results? Be honest with me. Thank you, sister. I, you know, like, right? And you just, yeah, you, you know, it's like, man, I've been doing this for a solid three days. Why am why nothing happening? You know? Consistency is the key. In physical health, and as well as spiritual and relational health. It's consistency. They did the same thing every day. And for them, it was six days. And on the seventh day, it was consistency. They were consistent. Going back on that, you know, I have a friend of mine. And this is not my strong point when it comes to physical fitness. I have a friend of mine. He comes to this church. This dude is like clockwork 
when I say he goes to the gym every morning at 5.30, Monday through Friday. I worked out with him for like two years, and I was consistent for a while. And now it's just like, man, I tell you what, he's just like clockwork. He's consistent, and I can see the results. I know people that that eat just past the Brady. Man, he's a fitness guy. This dude eats clean. He came in my office today with some from some juice bar. This thing was like a, a big green cup. I'm not joking. I was sitting in my desk, and he was on the other side. I could smell that drink from behind my desk. It was some strong health green thing. I don't even know what it was. And, uh, but that he's consistent in his eating. He is. But you know what? The same is true. We know Paul says physical exercise is good, but what our sp- physical training is good, but spiritual training is even better because it profits this life and the life to come. So if we know the key to consistency in our physical life, the same is true in our spiritual life. Are y'all tracking with me? Do you see this day? And I don't know why God told him to do it that way. God is God. He could have said, hey, Whistle at them and the walls could have came down. I don't know if it was a test of their obedience, of their consistency, but they consistently did the same thing every day and walked around there. Listen, I want to encourage you. Stay consistent in what you're doing and what the Lord's telling you to do every day. Even when you're tired. Even when you don't feel like it. That's a big one right there. See, that's what messes me up. Those two things right there is what messes me up early morning workouts. I'm tired and I don't feel like it, right? Even when it's boring, even when you don't see results, even when you don't see anything changing, think about the people around Jericho. It probably got kind of boring walking around that thing. They saw the same thing every day, a bunch of dust and a bunch of stones, and probably people at the top of the wall ridiculing them. But they did it. You know, they might have been tired getting up early in the morning, you know, doing these kind of things. So listen, there are spiritual disciplines like seeking the Lord and spending time with him on a daily basis that we should do. And listen, I like how Pastor Todd says it. You know, the anointing has a compounding effect. So in other words, and I've seen this in my own life, just through my journey of spiritual growth, and I got a long way to go in ministry. He said, you know, you don't always see the results after like one day, after one week, you're not like, man, I just, you know, I spent time with the law a week. I read my Bible, I prayed, I spent time with the law, I was worshiping. And now after seven days, I feel like a spiritual giant and I can go preach a revival. It don't always happen that way. But over time, you realize like, man, something has changed in me. Most of the time, you don't realize it until you look back and say, man, I'm a lot further than I was Six weeks ago, six months ago, six years, or I'm, I, I feel closer to the Lord. But it has a compounding effect. But you see, that's the thing about it. We live in a fast food society that we don't like things, you know, taking a long time. But if you're consistent with it each and every day, you'll begin to see results. Whatever the Lord is telling you to do in your relationships, you know, with your spouse at work, you know, being consistent to be kind to one another, to be selfless, us men to lay down our lives for our wives. Every time I did a wedding Saturday night, every time I do a wedding, I say that where it says, husband loves your wives as Christ loved the church and he laid down himself for her. And I always tell the grooms, listen, man, I know you would take a bullet for your wife, but this means to lay down your life for your wife every day. And what, you know, what we want to do and all that. And look, I don't have that mastered, believe me, but I know that's the truth of the word of God. We must be consistent in what we do every day. Be consistent in what the Lord's telling you to do. Look at 1 Corinthians 5, 58. It says this. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
Leave that up, Doug. Knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You remember, sometimes when we're consistent, even in our time with the Lord and seeking the Lord and praying, and and if it's, you know, sometimes you got to be consistent a lot of times in forgiving people, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, and releasing people and doing things you don't like to do. Love your enemies. How many of y'all like to love your enemies? When you read that, it's just like, man, why do I have to be in the Bible? That's not easy to do, right? To love your enemies, but you know, there's something when we're obedient to what Jesus said and we consistently love our enemies or forgive. The Bible says, make allowance in your hearts for one another's faults, forgiving them as the Lord has forgiven you. Man, that's hard. Like, okay, I made an allowance. I made room in my heart. Oh man, they just offended me. They hurt me. Now my heart's filled up with hurt and offense. Make allowance. I ain't got no more allowance in my heart. Lord, I'm still hurting. Those are things, there's things that we, we have to do. And listen, we, we must be consistent. We must be, the word steadfast, as I just read in there, or steadfastly means firmly with constancy or steadfast of mind. You see, being consistent has to start, it has to be a mindset. It has to be a mindset that I'm not just going to, you know, serve the Lord and seek the Lord and spend time with the Lord when it's convenient for me. Going back to the physical aspect, if we only try to exercise and, oh, especially eat right when it's convenient in South Louisiana, you'll never eat right. It's a never a convenient time, right? It's like I can be eating good all week, eating clean, eating healthy, and then it's like, oh, my mom invited us over for a fish fry this weekend. It's like, man, really? I just started four days ago. You know, it's not like when you go to a fish fry, you have the option of salad, right? You got fried fish and french fries and fried onion rings, right? Am I right? So, you know, it, it can't be a convenience thing. It has to be a mindset that, okay, I'm going to stay consistent in my walk with the Lord and in my relationships. Because you know what? That's the way we see walls come down is by being consistent. Sometimes the Lord does a miracle and things happen and we pray and there's a breakthrough immediately. But I'm just going to say, and I know this is not the most encouraging thing. And, and for, sometimes it, it, it just it takes you being consistent in what you're doing. Don't give up. The Bible says don't get tired of doing what's good for just the right time. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. If you don't give up. Matter of fact, again, give props to my lovely wife. She knew I was preaching on this, and I gave her the three main points. She sends me a quote that she reads today. She said, this might help in your message. And I said, you know what? It, it will. And I, so I'll give her credit. It says this. I already know what giving up feels like. I want to see what happens if I don't. That's good, huh? I already know what it feels like to give up. I want to see what happens if I don't. In other words, if I stay consistent, let's see what's going to happen. I want to encourage you, stay consistent in every area of your life, in your relationship with the Lord, in your relationship with others, in exercise and eating and all these things. I'm not saying you can't never have boudin or, you know, whatever else you like to eat. But you know what? It's good to be consistent because it's another thing. Whether it's, you know, just in the food thing. Isn't it nice if you ever like, you know, eating well and you're like, okay, if I eat good all week, I'm going to have myself a little free day, a little cheat day on Sunday. Doesn't it make it so much worth it because you know you've been consistent, right? There's a reward to that. Well, you know what? It's different in the spiritual realm. When we're consistent, the Lord himself rewards us, right? It's him that brings the blessing. And it's, it's, it's has more nutrition and lasts a whole lot longer than Buddha. Even though Boudin is good, as we just finished up the Boudin Festival here in Scott. Number three, and the final thing, 
Joshua 6, 15 and 16 says this. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the lone blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Now look at verse 20. Drop down a few verses to verse 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. See, they were in unity every day as they marched and when they shouted. If you notice, they marched in unity, they shouted in unity, they, they probably ate together, they slept together, they did everything together. They were in unity. You know, I think about that there's so much disunity nowadays. You can see it in our country, you can see it in our churches, you can see it in our families. You definitely see it on social media. Make one political comment on social media and you will see a firestorm of disunity, right? Of, of, you know, they even, it, it's crazy. They even made a commercial. I saw a commercial the other night and it was a commercial. It was a, it was about a cell phone, like a data plan. And it was about, uh, uh, an uncle and his nephew and the nephew was grown and talking about just their constant going back and forth on, on social media about their, you, did you see that? About their disagreements about politics, right? And they kind of poked fun at it, but that's reality. That's where this country is so divided. It has been for years, but it seems like, it just recent months, this country is so divided, not only on politics, but about issues. And, and it's like, it's, it's man, it's not only our country, we see it in our homes. Again, going back to walls, let, go back to, to, to my wife and I. I. I'd love to stand up here and tell you that, you know, me and my wife, we are equally yoked. I believe we both love the Lord, have the same passion and calling for, for Jesus and the ministry and what God's called us to do. But you know what? We're not always in unity. And guess what? We can feel it. We can tell when there's a wall there. And sadly, our children will know when we're not in unity. Right? It's not, disunity doesn't just affect you and the person you're divided against. It affects all kind of people around us. Right? Just like if you're not, if you're, if you're divided or in, in, in disunity with someone in the church or in your, in your, in your work, other people around it are going to sense it. And they, have you ever walked in a room or been in a conversation where you know people are at odds with one another? Just walking in the room with them or being in the room or if you're talking to somebody and another person walks in that they're not, then they're not in unity with. It, isn't it uncomfortable just to be around that? Right? You know, it's just like you want to get up and slowly remove yourself out of the situation, right? So there's something about that when we're divided, you know, it affects everybody around us. It affects, I'm telling you, y'all, everything in our life affects our relationship with the Lord. And we'll see that earlier, how much the Lord loves and blesses unity. Jesus himself said in Mark 3.25, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand, right? If a house divided against itself cannot stand, the opposite of unity is obviously division. I love how the New Living Translation said it. It says, a family splintered with feuding, you know, will be torn apart, I believe is how it says it. Doug, can you pull up the New Living on that real quick, on that version? A family a, a family, a splintered by feuding, I think is it, it's what it says, that, that first part. I know Douglas is the man. He's going to pull it up. But basically, if you break it down like a, a house, whether it be your own personal house or you look at the house of God. You know, again, we want the Lord to do great and mighty things. A family splintered by fueling will fall apart, right? 
And that's what happens. The opposite of unity is, is, uh, is division. But you see, whenever there's unity, right there, and the, going back to our text, the story of the wall of Jericho, when you're in unity, great and mighty and powerful things can happen, right? Right? Still with me? Still tracking? If your neighbor's sleeping, wake him up, nudge him a little bit. Actually, if your neighbor's sleeping, it's my fault. John Maxwell says, if somebody in church is sleeping, wake up the preacher. So, so it's, it's somebody snoozing, it's my fault. See, one of the main reasons we get divided is because we pick up an offense with people and we hold it. Pastor Todd, you know, talked about this Sunday as part of the anger, talked about unforgiveness and bitterness. And that's one of the main reasons we're divided with people. Because it's one thing to disagree with somebody. It's another thing to, to, you know, and we all get hurt. But to hold on to that hurt and be offended and be bitter, that's what causes divisions. That's what puts up those walls is when we're hurt and we refuse to let it go. You can, when you have bitterness and unforgiveness, you can erect a wall bigger than the walls of Jericho between you and somebody else and even between you and the Lord. You can, you, and, and there's probably somebody in a room this size that has been mad at God or even picked up an offense towards God. And even though God is perfect and, and God is unable to sin, sometimes we, we almost got to, we got to release God, even though he hadn't done because a wrong mindset or a hurt or something that we maybe blame God for, we got to release him or it might be somebody else. Listen, Loren, uh, Loren uh, Cuttingham says this. Disagreements don't cause disunity. A lack of forgiveness does. Disagreements doesn't cause disunity. A lack of forgiveness does. Because you know what? Again, we're always going to have disagreements. That's part of human nature. It's, it's all right. It, it's okay. Again, me and my wife sometimes just like, listen, it's okay. We'll get into those little discussions. Like, we agree to disagree. We can, we can move on. We don't have to get mad. We don't have to fight. I still love you. You know, I might think I'm right, and I probably am. No, that's a joke. I'm, I'm totally joking. You know, but we can disagree, but it don't mean that I got to hold a grudge and hold on to it. I can't believe that they don't, they don't think the same way I do. I can't believe they would vote for that person. I can't believe this and that, you know. Whatever we can disagree, but it's the unforgiveness that causes this unity. So I, I just want to encourage you to, to release, just as Pastor Todd did, Sunday, release those who have hurt you or offended you. Because we're again, when we're in unity in our marriage, our homes, our church, our community, powerful things can happen. And again, you see this often, but we saw this last year in August. After the flood, right? A lot of y'all in this room was a part of that. Look at the efforts of our community of all kind of people from different walks of life, different religions, different races, different economic backgrounds, all came together, rolled up our sleeves, and went into homes of people we'd never met before to help them to recover from the flood. Am I right? Isn't that a power movement of unity? You see that. You see it all throughout the country. Every time there's a natural disaster, you saw it back September 11th, you know, in 2000, whenever the, 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 the terrorist attack happened, the country unifies, right? The community unifies. But it's sad that it takes a tragedy for us to come into unity, right? It's sad that that happens. But you see an example of that. Whenever a whole community utilizes in one accord and unity, powerful things can happen. Psalm 133 says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious all upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like 
And I like how the New Living says it's as refreshing as the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life everlasting. I always love this scripture. And that even that, I can, there's a whole message in just that scripture right there. And I'll give you a good example of when I actually got to preach it on foreign soil. But three things he says there. Unity is like the oil running down the head of Aaron and his beard. Oil is symbolic of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When we're in unity, let's just talk about the church here for a minute. But even your family, your marriage. When we're in unity, listen, there's a greater anointing. There's a greater anointing upon our lives personally, upon our marriages, upon our children, and upon this church. That's one of the reasons when we come together to pray and to fast, we see God move in a great and mighty way. Why? Because we're in unity, purposely saying, I'm going to pray, I'm going to fast, I'm going to take time to go down to the church and pray. And we saw it again a couple weeks ago. We had three days of prayer and fasting. 73 people made a decision to give their life to Christ on Easter Sunday. Amen. And I can, contri- we contribute that to unity, being in unity in the spirit. Listen, I, I, I'll confess my sin a little bit, but then God worked it out to the good. Just another testimony. I believe right when I, this was the, the story ended, I pointed it to prayer and fasting. I got uh, asked to go speak at a, a drug rehab place right here in Scott. And I went last month and, and I was scheduled to go this month, but I overlooked it on my calendar. And so I kind of planned my afternoon. So I called the director or the assistant director at that place. And I said, hey, listen, I'm so sorry. And I hadn't heard from her. So I thought maybe they forgot. I kind of hope they forgot. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I, 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 I booked myself up for the rest of the afternoon. I was not supposed to go. And I was hoping she was going to say like, oh, it's okay. We, you know, we got some other stuff. And her response was, Oh, no, no. She said, I've been promoting this for weeks. They're excited. There's like 15 people that are waiting for you to come today. And my heart just dropped. She's like, can you send somebody else? And at first I was like, well, maybe I can get Pastor Brady. And then the Lord spoke to me. And this years ago, he convicted me about being a man of my word. He's like, you told her you was gone. You need to go. And I was like, I, I, you know, I, I, I messed up, so I finagled my afternoon, and it wasn't a big deal, and I ended up going. I, I had a lunch meeting. I said, man, look, i got to wrap it up, but this time I'm going to speak. And I went, and it's just a, a great atmosphere. There's people literally from all over the country there. It's a 30-day rehab place. And it's the second time I went. Sitting in a circle is like a big life group. I share my testimony about, about uh, uh, you know, being delivered from drugs and alcohol. I shared some scripture with them, presented the gospel, and like six or seven people gave their life to Christ. That was the Thursday, the day after prayer and fast that ended. Amen? How many of y'all are thankful I, I cleared my schedule and was held to my word that day? So listen, when I got in the car and I said that, oh Lord, that's what I said, thank you for not letting me get out of that. I was so thankful that I went. But immediately I thought, man, it's the day after three days of prayer and fasting. So listen, whoever y'all came out and were praying and fasting those weeks, you had a part, I believe. Because every single day, every day prayer meeting, we were praying for souls to get saved. And we didn't have to wait till Easter Sunday. You had a harvest of souls right there uh, that, that happened in Scott. Amen. That's the power of unity. He said the, that I was getting at the anointing is great. I believe there was a greater anointing on my life that day to win souls because of a joint effort of praying and fasting for souls. Then he says it's as refreshing. You know, there's something about being in unity. It's refreshing. And I think why is because, again, there's so much disunity that whenever we are in unity and we come back together and, and, and the walls start coming down, we're in unity. It's a refreshing thing. And the last thing is that it's, I love this. It says that there the Lord commands his blessing. We don't have to beg for his blessing. When we're operating in unity in your marriage, at your work, 
At church, the Lord says he'll command his blessing there. You can't stop anything the Lord commands, right? So I want a, a blessing from the Lord himself to be commanded upon my marriage, my children, this church, and this community. The more we get in unity, the Lord will command his blessing. So as we wrap it up, maybe there are some walls in your life, maybe between you and God, maybe t- between you and others. Maybe you need to start doing one or all three of these things. Being obedient, being consistent in the things of God on a daily basis, being consistent in what the Lord's told you to do in obedience. Maybe there's somebody you're in disunity with, divided with. Maybe it's somebody that you sleep with every night that you need to get back into you, forgive, release, get back in unity. There might be somebody in this room you need to cross the aisle in with tonight and say, man, look, brother, I've been holding a grudge. I'm sorry. Or you can say, man, look, I, I've, I've, I know I've hurt you, and I'm sorry. I ask you forgive me for my sin, for messing you up or hurting you or cutting you. We need to do everything we can to cause walls to come down in our lives. Amen? The greatest wall... That can separate us from the Lord is, is, is sin. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says this. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fall. Why don't you go ahead and stand tonight? So there might be, talked about how there might be walls between you and the Lord, you and others. And why don't you just go ahead and bow with me and and. Just as the scripture said, you know, maybe you feel it was talking past tense to the church, but that's a good place that we, I mean, that's a, not a good place. But that's a place we've all been at one time or another. Maybe you feel far away from God. Listen, it's true. Our thoughts and our actions are naturally and inherently evil. You might think, oh, I'm a good person. Well, compared to other people, yes. Compared to God, no. We're born into sin. We're born with evil thoughts and intentions. Maybe you feel far from the Lord tonight. You don't feel like you're right with God, and you know you need to get right with God. The encouraging news, or the the bad news, before I move forward to the good news, is the Bible says the wages of sin is death, which means not only physical death, but eternal death, separation from God. The good news is this scripture tells us he wants to reconcile you to himself through the cross of Christ. He wants to bring you into his own presence and make you holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. He, if you feel like, man, I'm not right with God. I've got sin. I never asked the Lord to forgive me, but I need to get right with him. He wants to cleanse you and forgive you tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, he wants to make you blameless tonight. If you feel that way, you can walk out of here tonight feeling lighter, feeling clean, feeling washed. If you say, Brandon, that's me. I don't know if I'm right with God. I feel far away from the Lord tonight. And I need, I, I want to ask the Lord to forgive me. I want to, I, I, I want to be right with God. If you say, I don't know what would happen to me if today's my last day on the earth. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Brandon, I want to make sure I'm right with God tonight. Can you pray for me? Can you pray for me? I want to get right with the Lord. I feel like I'm far away tonight. I see your hand, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Praise God. Well, man, we're going to pray with you. Come on. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. As you confess your sins, he's going to forgive you and he's going to cleanse you. Come on. Why don't we all pray with our sister right now? Say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I know that I've sinned. And I ask, Father, that you forgive me of my sin. Lord, I ask you to cleanse me and that you would wash me clean. Lord, today I want to be made blameless. I want to stand before you, Lord, holy. Lord, thank you for making a way to restore a relationship with you. Now, Lord, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. For, for, for the young lady that raised her hand and anybody else that, raised, that didn't raise your hand but you maybe prayed that prayer for the first time there's a card in the pew in front of you that says I made a decision do me a favor before you leave fill out that card and either bring it up here to me or to the, uh, the, the info center in the lobby on your way out and for the rest of us let's just take a minute and just come on I, begin to and maybe you have already ask the Lord if there's anything that's disobedience in your life that the Lord has told you to do or told you not to do and you've been disobedient Maybe there's an area of your life where you say, man, I, I need to be more consistent in this area. I do, I do, maybe, maybe it's spending time with the Lord and his word or through prayer, or through worship or, or just acts of service or, or whatever the case may be. But I want to be more consistent. Maybe it's in forgiving and releasing people and say, man, I do these things, but I'm not consistent. Come on, I want to pray for you. And maybe there's somebody that you're divided with. You're in disunity. Come on, let's ask the Lord right now. One of these three things. Father, I pray that you would help us all. Lord, tear down the wall amongst us. Tear down every wall between us, Lord, and our brothers and sisters. Maybe our husbands, wives, our children. Every wall that has been erected between, like, God, ourselves and you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us. To be obedient, that whatever it is you're telling us to do, assure us, remind us that you will be with us always, even to the ends of the earth, Lord God. Help us, Father God, to be consistent in what you're telling us to do, what you're calling us to do. Help us to be consistent in what we know is right. For as you said, if we don't get tired of doing these things, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to be in unity. I pray if there's any division or disunity, even in this room, even in this church, in our homes, that you'd break down division, break down walls, bring unity. Lord, that the anointing would be stronger, refresh us, Lord. And I pray that your blessing would be poured out upon each and every person and their families in this place tonight. And as they leave, be with them as they go, Father, in Jesus' name name we pray amen and amen well the lord bless y'all y'all have a wonderful night we'll see y'all this weekend